0: Good morning. good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. You know, way back uh, in the spring, I was scheduled uh, on my calendar to preach four places around southern Indiana, and then this thing called COVID started, right? So, since then, my preaching has been limited to uh, two videotape sermons from my kitchen, one online Zoom preaching meeting from my bedroom. One sermon in a family life center where everybody was well spread out. And one outdoor sermon. This is the first time I've been in church in a long time. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, and something else I'd like to share with you. Uh, I've had people ask me before, um, where do your sermons come from? And not to sound like a smart aleck, but I'd like to say they come from God. Um, but seriously, uh, I actually keep a folder much like this, and whenever I get an idea, I write it down. And I don't think they're my ideas. I think they're God's ideas. I hear somebody say something, and I'm like, ooh, that would be a good title. I write it down. I read something, and I think, ooh, that would be a good title. Or I'm just reading something in the Bible, and I'm like, that passage needs to be preached. And it's probably been preached 100,000 times already, but, but I feel like I need to preach it. Well, this title's a little different. (laughs) Um, This one comes from an old rock song, okay? And and that's where I'm going to start, and I hope I don't offend you, um, but, uh, you know, I grew up in an era when there was no K-Love, there was no Air One, there was no Bridge. You got church music on Sunday, and during the week, at least I listened to WNAP, the buzzard, Right? So the soundtrack of my early life was rock and roll. So let me begin. It's hard for me to fathom it now, but way back in February of 1977, I told Tim I was going back a few years, the British-American band Fleetwood Mac released an album called Rumors. It was destined to become an iconic recording. Since its release, it has sold over 40 million copies. Copies worldwide, making it the fifth best selling studio album of all time. And I remember that album well. I bought my first copy, a record, that dates me too, doesn't it? While in junior high and began listening to it, and it still resonates with me today. As I have aged, I found myself viewing that album not just as good music, but as art. I now see not just good lyrics but poetry. As I consider the tracks, I see creative genius in the order, particularly songs 2, 3, 4, and 5 in order. Dreams, never going back, don't stop, and go your own way. Even today, I still have dreams. And there are times and places to which I'm never going back. As I try to live each day with purpose, I know that I often prod myself forward with the words, don't stop. And as I've raised my children, I hope I've imparted to them that sometimes you have to go your own way rather than run with the world. Of course, as I hope you'll see later on, I think we can kind of reverse that title as well. Sometimes it's not so good to go your own way. But if I could draw your attention to one of the songs in particular this morning, and this is kind of where my title comes from, I want to share some lyrics with you from Don't Stop. And don't worry, I'm not going to sing them. If you wake up and don't want to smile, if it takes just a little while, open your eyes and look at the day, you'll see things in a different way. Why not think about times to come? and not about the things that you've done. If your life was bad to you, just think what tomorrow will do. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop, it'll soon be here. It'll be better than before. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. As with most things in culture, there's some real truth in these lyrics, and also maybe a bit that is not necessarily true. It is true that tomorrow will soon be here. I once heard that the main difference between youth and maturity is just one of perspective. The young say, I can't wait for tomorrow. And people like me say, is it tomorrow already? It is also true that yesterday has gone. While we may have memories of yesterday, it is a day that will never be repeated. But then we come to the words, it'll be better than before. Now, if you've lived for more than, oh, say five minutes probably, then you know that's a promise that might not be true, at least here on earth. Tomorrow may not be better. Tomorrow may hold more adversity. It may hold more heartache. There may be more sorrow. And next week, well, next week you may have new found challenges. It may not be better. But of course, unless someone really enjoys the blues, truthful lyrics might not sell. We want to believe that tomorrow will indeed be better, don't we? We want to believe that tomorrow will bring joy, success, health. We hope for the peace that tomorrow might bring. And honestly, I don't see anything wrong with that. After all, as my wife will tell you, I'm pretty much an optimist. The glass is always half full for me. And yet experience tells me, and the Bible confirms that optimism needs to be tempered with a godly perspective. And friends, that is what we find in the wisdom of James' writing. And I appreciate Tyler sharing that with you. And I'm going to invite you to go back there with me this morning. Back to James's book, almost all the way to the back, to chapter 4. And let's just look at that first verse again as... As we begin. Now, I'm using the King James Version this morning. I did also look at the New King James and the New International. But I got to tell you, when I look at those first two or three words, what I hear is my grandmother. That's what I hear. Listen now. I don't know how many times in my life a conversation started that way. She wanted to make sure that we were listening to her advice, to her wisdom. Listen now. You that make these grandiose plans. You go to some big city and you think you're going to make a fortune. I mean, that's, that's what verse 13 is about, right? So just kind of keep that in mind as we start here. You know, it should be clear that James is not suggesting that it's wrong to plan and prepare. But his advice echoes the Old Testament wisdom of Solomon. Who wrote in the 19th chapter of Proverbs, quote, Many plans are in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord shall stand. You know, maybe that's why James, the book of James, is often called by scholars the Proverbs of the New Testament. I don't know if you ever heard that before, but there are scholars that say you kind of need to look at Proverbs and James together sometimes. In other words, we need to make sure that our plans align with God's purposes for our lives. Basically, I think James is telling us that we have three choices. The first choice we have is we can disregard the will of God. Yes, people, that's an option. And it is certainly the approach that many modern Americans take. We adopt that approach. And, you know, sadly, I find that even people inside the walls of churches do that as well. Sometimes people of faith disregard the will of God. They choose to ignore it. Remember, even in the first century, as James writes this epistle... His intended audience is believers. Believers who apparently are making plans without regard or concern of what God might want for them. Keep that in mind as we move on. You know, I think part of the problem lies in our desire. Our desire to compartmentalize our lives. We decide that there are some areas, some compartments that just don't interest God. Or or we decide, well, we don't need His help with them. Oh, we'll pray over those areas that we deem spiritual. But others, well, you know, I can handle those on my own. I, I, I don't need God's advice there. Let me address this point directly to some of our young people here today. I hope and pray you have been earnestly praying over the next steps in your lives. You know, it's back to school time, right? And a time is coming in your lives, young people, when you're going to have to make some really big decisions. And maybe you've already made some of those. First of all, you may have had to decide, am I going to college? Am I going to join the military? Am I I going to go into the workforce? Am I going to go into an apprenticeship program? That's a pretty big decision. You know, you're going to have to think about what career you want to pursue. And not just because it pays well. I wish I had a nickel, pun intended, for every time I've told my own children that. Money is not going to make you happy. I think there's another song there somewhere. You need to do what God has designed you to do. You need to go where He can use you for His greater purpose. You're going to have to decide who you want to associate in the future. You know, when you're growing up, your, your parents, to a degree, kind of decide who your friends are going to be. And your school kind of decides who your friends are going to be. But when you get out there in the big world, that's your choice. That's your decision. Who are you going to associate with? And sometime, maybe sooner than later, you're going to have to decide who you want to marry. I don't think there's any bigger decision in your entire life. And you may have to decide where you're going to live. I left Indiana for a while. I lived in Rhode Island. Now, here's some more Fleetwood Mac. Never going back again. I lived in Virginia for a while. I even lived in Philadelphia for a while. I came back to Indiana because I like Hoosiers. I'm telling you what, I'd rather be around a Hoosier than, well, I don't want to. I'm never going back to New England to say that. You got to make decisions. Are you going to disregard the will of God? Because these big choices, these are ones that will impact your future, and none should be taken lightly or made without consulting the God of the universe. Of course, even we mature people, yeah, we, we still have some pretty big decisions too. Where we're gonna work. Are we happy where we are? Or are we gonna look for another job that maybe pays better or has better benefits? Because we don't live static lives. We may decide when we're going to retire. We may decide when we retire that that, that we're moving elsewhere. Even as much as we love Indiana, we might want to move elsewhere. Big decisions. You know, when thinking about tomorrow, James counsels us that it is foolish to disregard the will of God. So, if we don't do that, what's another option? Well, it's a negative one too. We can disobey the will of God. You know, this is what happens when we discern, when we know God's will, when we clearly see where He is leading us and we sense His guidance, but we willfully, we defiantly refuse to submit our lives to that will. We instead insist on going our own way and are doing things our own way. You know, I've taught for a long time now. It's hard for me to believe how long I've been teaching. I had a kid ask me that the other day, and I had to stop and count. I couldn't. I didn't even know off the top of my head. And this is my second career. But I've taught for a long time, and, and I guess now that my kids are in their 20s, you could say I've parented for a long time, and I wish, oh, how I wish there was a magic button. I could just punch and then dispense guidance with certainty. But I can't. Despite what you may have seen in a commercial, there is no big red button that says easy. It doesn't exist. Life's not that simple. I wish I could direct you to a specific verse that will guide you in each decision, but I can't. To discern the will of God takes prayer, intense prayer. It takes meditation on the word, and sometimes it takes patience. And then once you get a sense of His direction, you need to move in that direction. To disobey places one in rebellion against God's will. And folks, I think that's the clear point of verse 17 there. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Of course, we know there are certain things that are always God's will. It is always God's will that sinners confess their sin and accept Jesus. It is always God's will for believers to be baptized. It is always God's will for saved people to serve Him through His church. These are the areas where it all begins. If we don't obey and follow God in these, how can we expect Him to reveal His will in others? We do not want to disregard the will of God. We most definitely don't want to disobey the will of God. So what's our third choice? Do the will of God. That's our third option. Do the will of God. If we don't ignorantly disregard the will of God, if we don't stubbornly disobey the word of God, then we can submissively do the will of God. We can. We should. We will trust and obey. And in doing so, we have to acknowledge that tomorrow may not turn out as we hope, that it may not be better if we only view things from a worldly perspective. But if we adopt a worldview, a godly perspective, an eternal perspective, then we know that it will indeed be better. There are innumerable stories in the Bible that illustrate this point. Remember Abraham's story. Sometimes he did the will of God and sometimes he didn't. And we know how it worked out. Or, or, or what, about, what about Joseph? Or what about Moses? And I could continue the roll call right on through the Bible. I mean, that, that, that just covers part of Genesis and Exodus, right? Think about how many times tomorrow wasn't better, at least initially. How many times did it take great patience? How long did Moses wander in the desert until God said, hey, I'm ready to use you again. Let's go back to Egypt. Do the will of God. And as we consider this, let me be direct with some comments to our parents now. I already kind of talked to the younger folks about your decisions, but but parents, you're in on this too. Moms and dads have hopes and dreams and plans for their children. And honestly, this is regardless of your children's age. It doesn't matter if they're two years old or 22 or 32. We still want what's best for our children. But as we have those hopes, and as we have those dreams, I must ask in all sincerity, do you want the Lord's will? To prefer, prevail in your child's life oh yeah sure I do absolutely really even if it means your child living a life different than the one you've imagined for them may, may, maybe they don't want to be a doctor maybe they want to serve mankind some other way what if it means that your son or your daughter move away to a distant state our daughter's four hours away now her boyfriend's family lives even farther away, and she made the comment to me recently, I think after we get married, we'll probably live that direction. It's a long way away. Or, or, or what, about, what about if they're called to a foreign land? For whatever reason, I have a lot of friends who've gone into mission work. Somebody I taught with for a few years is now in the mission field in Japan, Somebody I was just talking to last week can't wait to get back to Central America where they've spent 19 years on the mission field. Are you willing to accept God's will if He pulls your child somewhere else? I know you have high hopes for them. You may have strong ideas about where they should go and what they should do. And as a parent, you should share your experience and your wisdom. But in the end, you must allow them to follow God's leading as they feel it. You must trust God as much as they do. You know, I'm reminded of a parable that we find back back in Matthew 13. It's not one of the best known ones, I don't think. But in Matthew 13, Jesus tells the parable of the field where the weeds move in beside the wheat. Perhaps you know that one. And and the servants go to the owner of the field, the master, and they say, Do you want us to pull the weeds? Surely you want us to pull the weeds out. And the master says, No, wait. Wait. Wait until it's harvest time. Well, of course, we know the Master is God. And this is about people here on earth. But if you just stop and think about it in the simplest sense, it's about God saying, wait on me. Don't get ahead of me. Don't place your plans ahead of me. If you're going to follow my will, there are going to be times when I tell you, you have to wait. Am I the only one here that has a problem with that? I'd like to throw this thing away huh? I'd like to get back to living life. In 2018, that's a long time ago, my wife and I booked a trip to Europe for a very special thing called the Omar Abogal Passion Play. They only do it every 10 years, and you got to get your tickets early. And we booked that, and we had our flights. Well, we're not going, are we? They called us up, travel agent called up, and he said, uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to have to cancel your trip, but Oberammergau doesn't want to lose the passion play. So you can go in June of 2022 if you're willing to wait. You've already booked everything, your money's secure, or, or we'll refund your money. I said, no, you keep that money. I'm going in June of 2022 if God allows We've booked a trip for next June because we were going nuts sitting around the house. I said, hey, let's book a trip. That'll make us feel better. So we got a trip for next June. I hope. I hope. You know, sometimes to do the will of God, we can't just run off. We got to wait. We got to wait where we are. And maybe tomorrow won't be better. Maybe it's a month. Maybe it's six months. I don't know. When all this started, I decided I was going to study the Spanish flu. Do you realize the Spanish flu just disappeared? Do you know the story about that? It came and it was devastating worse than this, if you look at the numbers and everything. And then it just went away. No vaccine, no medicine. I don't claim to understand why we have this, but I know my Lord is sovereign. He is on the throne. And if He says, I got to (laughs) wait, I got to wait. Because I want to do the will of God. I don't want to disregard the will of God. I don't want to disobey it. I want to do the will of God. You know, years ago in New York City, a florist by the name of Max Schilling ran a brilliant ad in the New York Times. It was written entirely in shorthand. So all over New York City, businessmen took that ad to their secretaries and they're like, what is this about? Well, it turns out the ad wasn't addressed to the businessmen. No, it was addressed to the secretaries. It asked them to remember him and his florist shop whenever the boss said, hey, send some flowers to my wife for her birthday. It turned out to be this brilliantly successful marketing scheme. He became the largest florist in New York City. Folks, I would term that vision. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. We all need vision, particularly in 2020. Yeah, that's right. We need 2020 vision. That's right. Let me conclude with three things. Don't stop planning for tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but as we're about to sing, we know who holds tomorrow. Don't stop planning for tomorrow. Keep dreaming. Keep hoping, keep planning, and I don't care if you're 92 or 12, you ought to have dreams. Don't stop preparing for tomorrow. And don't stop praying about tomorrow. And friends, I believe the best way to do all three is just to know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So if you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to invite you. It's not my church, but I can't preach without an invitation. Because it's not me that's calling you. Marilyn played it softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. She played that earlier. I hope you recognized it. The invitation isn't mine. The invitation is God's. But if you already know Him, as I think most of you do, ask yourself this. Every day am I living intentionally? Every day when I get up, am I trying to do the will of God as He directs. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this morning. I thank You for this church. It was so good to be invited back here again. So many of these people are so so very dear to Edie and I. And you know, Lord, I kind of feel like I've been part of this church lately. Even though I haven't been here, it seems like every time I get on the Internet, I find somebody from this church preaching. I thank You for the way this church is nurtured Some of my favorite young people recently. I think they're doing the will of God. And I thank you for that. And Lord, now we're going to sing some songs to you. Songs of praise. Songs of trust. Songs that you are so very worthy of. Lord, I I pray that all those within the sound of my voice this morning might seek your will and might do your will whether that means coming to this altar and turning their lives over to you for the first time, whether that means where they are in their pew this morning rededicating their lives to you. Whatever it may be, Lord, might your will be in control of the rest of the service, and we will give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.